Thanks for joining with us today on our Potter's Hope podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and gives you strength to live out the life that God has for you. Enjoy the message. And once again, welcome everybody, and you all pray for me, and I guess the Lord's got a way of slowing us all down, and so uh, for sure. What I was speaking to in the beginning there about the, about the apostle, about the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher, today that has been ascribed as to many what we call five-fold ministry. And it's so true. And the thing that we need to see today is not so much in title, but that they're gifts. And in those gifts and in those responsibilities assigned to those things, it's pretty simple because more than a title, we can see that it means to send. The word apostolos means to send. And when we look at the word prophet, we think about foretelling, the evangelist, how far can we reach, and about uh, the pastor, which is the shepherd, and the teacher, uh, which is one to help disciple. And when you look at that, all of those were combined into Christ. He fulfilled all of those five things within himself. Now, more than just a person in the church or a title or a call, I can see all of those things operating within the body of Christ. So more than just something that's placed upon you, because today we hear many people say, well, I'm an apostle or I'm a prophet or I'm an evangelist or I'm a pastor or I'm a teacher or any of those things. And I want to remind you today that, listen, people are going to be quick to put titles on you. I don't know about you, but I've still got people calling me by things that I used to be and not by what I am right now. Can I get a witness in the house? And when you and I begin to understand that we are fulfilling his call and his cause, that it's more than a title. Today, I want to preach to that point about the importance of function and functionality within the church and functionality within the church. And I'm going to go back to the Old Testament. Like I said, I've been studying this out for almost a month. And, and I see some things that are in the Old Testament that probably today anybody would look at. And for the most part, somebody said, well, I don't know that I want to be that. I don't, want to, I don't know that I need to be this or, or, or be that. Why? Because it doesn't seem to ascribe a lot of hype or, or maybe something that brings a lot of fame. One of the things today that I see in the Old Testament that was commissioned there and the importance of what we need today, there's five of them. And if you could, Eric, if you'll bring up that first one, turn to somebody and say, you need a midwife. You need a midwife. Y'all are like, what are you talking about? Well, see, now, here's what you've got to understand. These delivery rooms that you're used to today, there wasn't no such thing back all those years ago. And what you did, you didn't go to... uh, The obstetrician didn't go to that person. What you went to was, or what would come to you would be the midwife. And the midwife was so important, and we can see that in Scripture, that in the book of Exodus chapter 1, we can see the king of Egypt spake to those Hebrew midwives. And he told them, one of those was named Shipra, and the other was named Pua. And the word, he said this, when you do the office of a midwife, what I want you to do is that any time that a male child comes forth, I want you to take that child's life. You've got to remember that in a time of bondage, in a time when Pharaoh's rule and reign was there, he wanted to kill all of the male children and let the female children live. Today, we're seeing somewhat of the same thing today, that society is wanting to kill the manhood of the believer. Today, you and I need to understand that God makes a stark difference He created us in His image. He created male 
and he created female. We need people in place today that will usher in the very presence of God into people's lives so that they can see the transformation begin. So you know what the midwives did? Now these were Hebrew midwives. So what they did, they listened to Pharaoh. No, they didn't. The Word of God says this. And he said, when you do that office of those and you see them upon the stools or in their birthing chairs, get ready to bring life, you'll take the life of that child. But let me tell you some, some very important characteristics of midwives that were there in the Old Testament that we need to see today. Number one, those Hebrew, those Israelite women, they feared God. They feared God. And the word said, they feared God and they did not as the king of Egypt commanded them but saved the men's children alive. I will tell you that the world has its midwives that are no more than that in name. What they want you to do is to abort the promise that is on the inside of you. I'm talking about things in the kingdom. You need a midwife. What is the most important thing? One of the most important things about a spiritual midwife. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies, can I speak to you? You need somebody in your life that will tell you to push through the pain. You need somebody in your life that will tell you to push. You need somebody in your life to tell you that there's something on the inside of you that needs to come out. Why is that? Because if it doesn't come out, it still remains all about you. But when you give birth to something, now the focus comes off of you and onto them. It's not about you anymore. It's about Him. Let me talk about the birth of Christ. Isn't it awesome how the correlation can be much the same that when I see people get under conviction, there's a weight on them. They can't get any rest. They, they get uncomfortable. They begin to steer in pain sometimes. And it's much the reason, the same way that I've watched my wife in labor four times. Tears will be part of that. When somebody comes to Christ and when Christ is getting ready to be born and bring them into that born-again experience, it's a simultaneous act that as they're getting ready to give birth to Christ, Christ is getting ready to give birth to them. And the shift in that is that when that comes forth, the focus now is not on you. It's on Him and upon other people. Today, we have never seen a time to where we are so self-absorbed with self. If we can shift our focus and we can let the good that is on the inside of us come out, God is recommissioning midwives. The world has all kinds of people in place to say, don't carry that. The world has all kinds of people in place that say, it's never going to work. It can't happen. Somebody shout, push. You've got to push. In a day to where we give you trophies for just finishing. And listen, even if you get close to finishing, we give you a trophy. A midwife will tell you it's time to push through the pain. There's something great in you that's getting ready to come out. It's time to let these midwives be recommissioned. Sisters of God, align yourself with other sisters and tell those women around you to push and to give birth to the dream, the vision that God has. Today, when everybody is just in a weak mindset, many are in a weak mindset and rolling over and playing dead. We need midwives. Had these ladies listened 
Miss Josheved, if Josheved, which was the mother of Moses, had she been part of that thought, there would never have been a deliverer. And today, by the assassination through many that is going on in the womb, the natural womb of so many, that's the reason that we preach life. That's the reason that as God is recommissioning the midwives that are in this place, you say, well, pastor, I don't understand what that is. It's travailing with somebody. It's coaching somebody through that time. You say, do we have those here? Yes. I've seen it for 20-some years. I've seen it, listen, so many years in ministry. I've watched as people come burdened. I watch as they come heavy to this altar, needing to get something out. I've watched the broken and contrite spirit. I've watched those things, Kathy, happen. And then I've watched these midwives gather around them and help them push and help them give birth when listen all they thought they had was despair I've watched joy break forth at this delivery room right here at Potter's Hope we need to recommission the midwives today to tell you that you have a purpose in God's kingdom it's so important there's something about this the midwife helps you understand identity and the very thing that they give birth to or you give birth to, they're there later on in life. And they're there to that. And they say, I knew you before you knew you. That's the power of a midwife. You're going to want to write this next thing down. The midwife will help you with this. The midwife will help you in identity in this way. In this way. The world identifies you by brand name. Kingdom identifies you by birthright. You are not built by a brand name. You are built by birthright. What's happened to our children today, parents? We somehow have built them by a brand name of Nike or some other brand name and by the shirt that they wear instead of the God that they know. And we build them by a brand name and we say, I want my kids to have the best. And we end up giving them thread, but we don't give them the presence of God. And we identify people by the logo. Brand name instead of birthright. How many of you know beyond the shadow of a doubt that you are the child of the Almighty God? You have a birthright. And once you come to understand that, hell will hate you because you've then come to the understanding that you are made in the image of God and Satan hates anything that looks like him. Why is this so important today? In the years of Hezekiah the king, the word of God says as they were getting, Assyria was beginning to attack. They had already sent the word that they were going to come. And the word says this in 2 Kings 19, 3 and 4. They said unto him, Thus saith Hezekiah, This is a day of trouble. Every one of us today would probably say, Man, this is a troubling time. This is a time of rebuke and even of blasphemy. For the children are come to the birth and there is not strength to bring forth. Today, so many people all across this land, in here, out there, online, and everywhere else throughout this land, people are thinking, are we going to make it through it? Can I tell you something? You're already through it. You just got to go from your head to your heart. Can I get a witness in this house? We are conquerors through Jesus Christ. And the importance of that, when we begin to see that, that there's not enough strength, you have people around you that are wilting under the pressure we need the midwives in place that say, push, push. 
that acronym that I've seen before. That's simply this, pray until something happens. Courtney, it's understanding in our heart and aligning yourself with people of like faith that are not of the world, but they're of the kingdom that tell you to push, that there's no place to stop. I still believe, and I, I believe that we're part of it right now, and it may be hidden to many, but I believe that we are in the days of a great revival. I believe that we are. And I believe just as God is separating the sheep from the goats, the wheat from the tares, God is simply seeing, and He's seeing who is on the fence. Can I tell you, you need to choose today who you will serve. Amen. I believe God is recommissioning today the midwives in this church. To my sisters in Christ that are in this place, I want you to encourage the women of God that are around you. Be truthful. Coach them. Help them. And help them get to the place that when that child, when they're rearing that child after the birth of it, to build them by birthright, not by brand name. We're living in that very time right now. The second thing that I can see that truly God needs to recommission right now. And that first thing, this, the midwife, you, you need to tell people around you to push. To push. The second thing is this. Is what we see in the Old Testament is the armor bearer. The armor bearer, the Word of God says in 2 Samuel 14 and 12, it speaks of Jonathan, which was Saul's son. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer. They were going down to fight the Philistines. And they said, come up to us, and we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, I'll define it in a moment. He said, come up after me, for the Lord has delivered them into my hand. The importance of an armor bearer today is so critical in our life. Number one, you need to understand that you cannot fight this battle alone. The one characteristic that was there, Brother Clay, in the heart of an armor bearer was loyalty. That in the middle of the battle, he did not leave. The Word of God said this, that as they went to fight the Philistines, he and Jonathan, the armor bearer and Jonathan, were absolutely outnumbered. The Word said that he climbed upon his hands and upon his knees and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan, meaning the enemy. And his armor bearer slew after him. That as Jonathan was going and slaying people in front of him, those that tried to come in behind him, the armor bearer was there. And anybody that tried to come in behind them and come in and stab him in the back, there were these armor bearers that were loyal to the cause and to the call to defeat the enemy. One thing today that we need in the kingdom of God is a loyalty to the word of God and to each other. That we won't sell people out. Turn to somebody right now and say, you know you ain't perfect, right? Y'all know, you know you're not perfect, right? I got people all around me, man, that, that fall. I got, I'm one of those people that, that's in your midst that you seen me fall last week. <laughs> but the real part of this is an armor bearer. Is that one there that guards you. He's there with you in the battle. And when it gets hot, he doesn't run or leave. And when you fall down, he tells you to get up. We've got a battle to fight, and we've got a battle to win. We need to recommission the armor bearers that are loyal to the Word of God and loyal to the men and women of God. Loyalty. Loyalty. Loyalty today is something that can be bought seemingly. In true essence, it can't. But loyalty today is something 
that can be sold for something that excites your soul or something that begins to pull you. But the importance of that is so critical in this day that we are living in. We need to be loyal to each other. And what does that mean? To be loyal to one another doesn't mean that I pat you on the back. It means that I have your back. And if you ever turn your back on God, I will be there to face you. Because if I've got your back, when you turn your back on God, the armor bearer is going to be the first one that you see and say, what are you doing? What do you mean you're back out here drugging? What are you doing? I want to be the first one that you see. You need to be the first one that I see. That when I see that the enemy or I think that the enemy is coming against me, I need to see somebody that when I try to turn, Larry, the first one I need to see is my armor bearer and he's there guarding me. He's not just there to guard the enemy coming at you. He's there to guard you to keep you from going back. We need men and women of God that are sold out as armor bearers. There's an importance of that armor bearer. We all know about David. David was an armor bearer to Saul. And the thing is, is this, is that Saul tried to kill him. He's throwing javelins at him. He's trying to kill him, boy, at every turn. Crazy. Guess what David does? Remains loyal. He did not remain loyal so much to the man as he did the office and the call of the man. This is important. Because what we can see begin to transpire is this, is that you, you and I both know, we, we watch people fail all the time. I've seen my own self. I know me. But David was so loyal in that respect. It wasn't just that he was so loyal to him, to Saul. But he was loyal to God. He was loyal to God. You know, David's the one that killed the giant. He's the one that killed Goliath. We've heard that how many times? So many times. But we forget this. That you know, Goliath, all nine feet six or nine feet nine inches of him, we think he's more than enough to kill David. And not only was it about Goliath, but Goliath had an armor bearer. There was one that went before him that carried his shield. They carried that, that when the enemy came, he would put up that shield. What happened the day that David came against Goliath? Where was the armor bearer that day? You need an armor bearer that will always be in place in every valley that you go through, in every place in your life. When hell tells you you're not going to make it, you need an armor bearer to say, God brought us to this point. He's not going to leave us here. There's a victory in this valley, and we can declare it in the precious and powerful name of an almighty God. Armor bearers, people that are loyal to the cause of who he is guard you. Every one of these are going to deserve a whole lot more time than what I'm giving them today. And I believe they'll come out at some point and study. So as God recommissions, he recommissions the midwife, and I believe he is recommissioning the armor bearer to be loyal and to guard. The third one is something that you've been hearing a lot about lately, and it seems as though there's many But there's a recommissioning because of the time that we're living in, the recommissioning of the watchman. The watchman. The Word of God says this in Ezekiel chapter 33 and 6. Ezekiel was a prophet slash watchman. But if the watchman sees the sword come and he blows not the trumpet, 
and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. Very familiar piece of scripture. So thou, O son of man, the Lord speaking to Ezekiel, I've set you as a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Today, in the time that we are living in, there has never been, I'll guarantee you, Google has never been hit as hard as it's being hit right now about eschatology and end time things. How many of you within the past six months have looked up something on the internet or done some study on eschatology or simply the end time? Raise your hand, please. Many, many, many of the Christian, many of the fellow believers are saying, man, is this it? Is it wrapping up? Can I tell you the world says it's wrapping up. The kingdom is saying it's just beginning. Can I get a witness in the house of God? What was the watchman's responsibility? The watchman would set upon the wall. He was a man of vision. He was one that set up there. He would see oncoming danger. He had vision. He had sight. He had clarity. Listen, you've got to understand this today. And this is what we're seeing and we have seen in the past. Many of today's so-called watchmen are more alarmist than they are activists. I don't need people to alarm me. I just need people to wake up around me. And when I say that, it's one thing to blow the trumpet, but it's another thing to be an activist. You've heard that word activist how much lately? And we've tossed that word around. What is an activist? Can I tell you, this is the simple thing. Within the kingdom, we need to be activists. We need to be not just hearers, but we need to be doers. Can I get a witness? Can I tell you, not just to sound the trumpet, but to prepare the people. When we think about a watchman, I think about John the Baptist that came on the scene after 400 years of silence there in the book of Malachi. And he said he would turn the heart of the fathers back to the children. The next voice that they would hear would be the voice of John the Baptist that said, prepare the way. Jesus is coming. We need people today that say, prepare the way. The king is on his way. You can tell by the signs around you. Here's what the king will do. Here's what we need to do for the king. That every valley that you, every mountain that you can't see over. Can I tell you, God will bring the mountains down and the valleys up. In every crooked way, he will make straight. Prepare the way. Jesus is coming. Now, the thing that I need to tell you is not to prepare the way so much out here, but to prepare the way in here. Sis already said it. Are you ready to meet him? Where are the watchmen? Where are the watchmen that are not there just to alarm you? But those are there to absolutely see the Holy Ghost activate you to make a difference in these last days that we are living in. You and I both know that right now there's so many things. Clay and I have talked. Rick and I have talked. Bill, so many of us, Alvin, so many of us have talked about the way that things are lining up in Scripture. And now we can see this and that and there's other people confirming that in different ways and different aspects that we see around us. You see so much of that going on. To some people it's new. To some people we've seen it coming for a long time. Amy and I, probably out of the, how many times we moved, babe? 12, 13 times. She said 13. 13. 
most of those places that we've moved or where we've lived or that we've been or where we've lived, Amy, many of those, I'd say well over half of those, we've lived either joining a railroad track or to where we could hear the train coming. What I need to tell you today is I hear a train coming. You need to understand that it's upon the conductor's heart that as he's driving that train, every time that he comes to a crossing, he has to lay on that horn. Hallelujah. By the way, I think I'm going to get one of them to put in my little Camry. Maybe I won't. And they let you know, listen, watchmen Clay are blowing the trumpet right now and, say that, and saying that we are at a critical time. Not just get ready, be prepared. What, for this coming and that coming? Listen, can I tell you more than a doomsday prepper? I'm a kingdom prepper. Can I get a witness in this house? I ain't got nothing against you building your bunker. I ain't got nothing against you canning enough food for your family. Just make sure there's enough for me too. Come on, house of God. I've got to tell y'all something. This world was not created to stand forever. It is the kingdom of God that will stand. It is the kingdom of God. Kingdom is more than a word. It's more than a theory. It's the very promise that I have. That he said, prepare the way. And Jesus said, the kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom? Kingdom is not place. It is presence. It is the person of an almighty God. It is Jesus Christ in the flesh and in and as almighty God. Kingdom is not out here. Kingdom is in here. Where are the faith leaders? Today, when you watch your different shows on CNN or Fox or whatever, we don't say, they don't say things on there like they should. They say, well, today a certain faith leader. Well, a certain is, why don't you just say a certain Holy Ghost preacher? That steers up the heart and steers up the soul of people. Faith leaders, there's all kinds of different faiths today. Huh? There is. Gandhi may have said some good things. Buddha may have given you some good lines. Confucius may have said this or that. But Jesus Christ, the one and only, said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I declare today that that very one that they crucified got up on the third day. And the one that got up on the third day like he went, he's coming back in the... My heart is not to be an alarmist, but through the power of the Holy Ghost to bring you to the point of being an activist and get out of your seat and let the Holy Ghost steal your soul and tell people at the gas pump. Pastor, I can't get any closer than six foot.
We 15, 20 feet away. Come on, somebody, let's shout in this house and declare that our God is alive. You have a voice. Use it. Our God is alive. The watchman, recommissioning the watchman. John the Baptist was a watchman. The Word of God says this in Isaiah chapter 21 and verse 5. Isaiah written somewhere between 700 and 800 B.C. The Word of God says, prepare the table, watch in the watchtower. Most people would ascribe, let me go ahead and finish this, watch in the watchtower. Eat, drink, arise, you princes, and anoint the shield. Most of you are familiar, you've seen it, Hollywood reproduced, or Hollywood made the movie about it, about the Titanic. Most of you know, I, I love studying that. I, I've studied that, even done a message on it several years back. The very designer, the very maker of it said, it is absolutely, it is absolutely unsinkable. How many of you know that was a lie? The world will always have a designer. We got a creator. Turn to somebody and say, you ain't going to sink. Woo. I ain't there yet. You see, what they thought was this, is that the design, the way that they made the Titanic, and it was good in theory, but it wasn't good in fact. The fact is this, is that in, or the very thought is this, that in theory, the way that they made that ship was that it had all these compartments. All these compartments. And the thought was that if one, if one compartment gets a hole in it, then the next compartment will keep us afloat. Why did it sink? The watchman. The watchman. When you read that and you read the history of it, and I forget his name, and I'll guarantee you he would want us to forget his name. But there was somebody that was set in the watchtower of that ship. And the, to his, to, listen, to his benefit, if you will, or to his credit, it was an iceberg. And this is what we're dealing with today. You are looking at things that you can see. The iceberg, the, listen, what you see here is not what's going to hurt you. It's what's under the surface that will... It's what's under the surface that will sink you. You need to listen to me. I'll wrap up here in about 45 minutes. No, I'll be quicker than that. Listen, it's what's under the surface that sinks you. You look good on the outside. I'm all afloat. But on the inside, you're sinking because of jealousy, envy, and sin. You know what happened? He tried to ring the bell. He did ring it. And the thing is that he tried to turn it. But listen, at that same time, they said there was, there was error maybe at the helm also. All of these things. It was a communication issue. It was a side issue. It's much the same of what we're dealing with today. Everything that you see, can I tell you, Christians, you are not built by what you see. You are built by what the Word of God says. We walk by faith, not by we walk by faith, not by. I believe what the Word of God says, Robin. I 100% believe it. And what happened as that huge ship and people were just cruising, paid incredible amounts of money just to sail. And what happened, Amy, is that it hit that iceberg and it ripped a hole. And in theory, it should have stayed afloat. But here's what happened. 
when it hit that, when it hit the first compartment, it hit it at the side. And what they had did, there was a flaw in the design. Instead of each one of those corridors and those compartments going all the way from the bottom of the ship to the top of the ship, they only went up so high. Well, what happened was this. The water began to fill the first compartment. When it filled the first compartment, it filled the second compartment. And then it filled the... This is much the same way as your life. If you are not built, not from the bottom to the top, but how many of you are built from the top to the bottom? That... And the problem, if there is any space, if there is any room, you will sink. What will happen in your life is that one compartment of your life, if it begins to get filled, it will flood. Listen, you're single. Listen, the part, the very part of your own life. Your faith life, that if it spills over, your trouble, that if it spills over into another area, your marriage begins to sink. If your marriage begins to sink, your kids begin to sink. If your kids begin, until what happens, you're sunk. I wrote this down in my own notes. Today, people are building. And it's common, Bill, it's common that today people somehow believe that this walk is no more than a ride on a cruise ship. And you will find that the allure of the seas are different ones, that they build bigger and bigger, and they put all these different decks and levels on there for your enjoyment. Today it's much the same way as the church. We build our churches to hold more people but not more presence. And we build these huge cruise ships, and we set sail. And many times across America today, what you will find is this, is that we build these ships, and they have no rudder. And if they have no rudder, they're not able to steer clear from the oncoming danger. I want to ask you today, before I go any further, who is at the helm of your life? The Holy Ghost serves as an eternal watchman to the men and women of God in these last days. The Holy Spirit, I'm going to let you know, this is just something here that, that, that I, just, I believe the Holy Spirit just absolutely downloaded to me. Today, we are led by, and you all tell me if I'm wrong. Today, we are swayed back and forth by information. I need to tell you that information is no more sound than the source that it comes from. Because information, Dax, is coming out at so many levels. Stay with me for a minute. Because I'm going to show you the difference between information and revelation. The power of it is this, is that information's everywhere. We've got the information highway. We can find out anything that we just ask. This, do this, do that. Revelation, Amy, is different. Revelation gives you insight. You and I operate most of the time on hindsight. I pray, and I know you do too, men and women of God, we need to be praying for revelatory, Holy Ghost, revealing to us in the time that we are living in. 
What I need to tell you is this, and, and many times we say what is good for the goose is good for the gander. I'm asking the men and women of God that are in this place today, seek God. What is the best path for your life? What is the best thing for you? Listen, more than chances, I don't believe in chances, but I can tell you that we all will walk together in agreement through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Ghost. Can two walk together, Chris, lest they be agreed? I can't call a Muslim. Listen, this is the thing. I'm not going to call a Muslim a brother. Not in the realm of the kingdom. He's a man that needs Jesus. And his ideology may be that I'm a man that needs Allah. Can I tell you? It's not open for discussion. Why? Because I don't believe in any God but God Jehovah. God did have a son. And his name was Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ and his death on the cross, every ounce of my sin was bought and paid for. Everything that I've ever done, paid for. We've got to hurry. But thus said the Lord unto him, go set a watchman and let him declare what he sees. I don't have time to get into all of it, but I'll tell you what I'm getting tired of. I'm tired of the talking points that I see on that thing that we have all of our furniture and our eyes pointed to. Can I tell you, I'm more slick out with talking points. Matter of fact, I wrote this down for me. No more talking points, only turning points. My whole heart for you and the heart for this land is not a talking point. Because just like my mama told me, I've talked till I'm blue in my face. Preachers have preached till they're red in the face. And people are still not turning. Holy Ghost of God convict a nation of the wrong and the sin that it has lived in and condoned. God cannot and will not let America off the hook. Equality, Brother Wayne. Equality. You can't have equality without morality. And you can't have morality without the Word of God. Can I get a witness in the house? When you forsake the Word, you forsake God. We need a revival. A revival of what? A revival to where we feel good and people are healed. We need a Holy Ghost, heaven sent revival that brings first the church to its knees to weep before God and say, forgive us for not being the intercessors and the gap standers that we should have been. Talking point or turning point. I've heard a lot of people that can carry on a good conversation. But they can carry that on and they don't know anything about heaven. And they don't want to hear about hell. The thing about watchmen, they're much the way as an armor bearer, they have your back. A watchman, once again, is not just there to alarm you. They're there to activate you. And to tell you that it's time to stand up for God. I will tell you right now. And this, I know, will not be popular. I'm not motivated by the color of your skin. I'm motivated by the condition of your soul. To me, you're not black or white. 
God forgive any injustices that are done to any. But I am motivated not just in what happens to you here, but what happens to you and how you get there. It is the condition of your soul that I am most concerned with and not the color of your skin. So today, could the narrative be all across this land? Can we simply come back to the place of are you lost or are you saved? And today, these horrible injustices that we've seen over the past two or three hundred years and the different things, could we come together for the cause of Christ so that we all can rejoice in Canaan's land and in the land that God has prepared for each and every one of us? Almost done. The fourth one, doorkeepers. Praise team, will you come? Midwives push. Armor bearers are loyal. Watchmen activate you. They activate you. Many of you are familiar with this piece of Scripture in Psalm 8410, and I know this is teachy today. I do believe there's a recommissioning. The Word of God says in Psalm 8410, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousands. We sing a thousands elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'd rather be a doorkeeper. What was a doorkeeper? A doorkeeper was simply an usher. He was one that guarded the threshold. And today what has happened in the church today is that we've forgotten about our doorkeepers. We forgot about the people and put them in place to know the difference between good and evil, between what is right and what is wrong. And because there's no doorkeeper, then we allow anything into the church. And not only to sit in the pew, but then we allow anything to stand behind a pulpit because of the absence of doorkeepers. You look at the sons of Korah. Levitical line that as you look at them, they were both doorkeepers and worshipers. They led people in worship. When you think about ushers, we have what we call ushers here. They don't realize actually that they're doorkeepers, but they are. They are. And just as we have people standing at the door, these that are behind me here are also doorkeepers. They're ushers. It's all about bringing people to the understanding that there's a threshold of God. Jenny, I'm going to ask you a question. You can use your mic to answer. Jenny, do you know when you are in the presence of God, and sometimes is it deeper than it is other times? Definitely. There's some people, and when I say this, that sounds critical, okay? And I don't mean for it to sound judgmental. There is something about worship. There's something about the holiness of God. How many of you know when you're in the presence of an almighty God and sometimes it's just different? Yeah, you do. Now, I understand today that when I talk about Asher being in the presence of God, I understand that the presence of God is in us. I understand that. But there are times that it's just deeper. There are times that we're there. And this is the thing. We need, listen, we need a recommissioning of the doorkeepers that usher the presence of God into this place. Who are those people? They're worshipers. They're not just ushers, they're worshipers. 
They're intercessors. The word doorkeeper, that most of the time when you study that out, you'll find that it's a gatekeeper. Turn to somebody and say, you need to be a gatekeeper. The gate that causes you the most problem, (laughs) turn to somebody and say, do you have a problem with your mouth? (laughs) There's one particular... There's one particular doorkeeper that I love, and, and doorkeepers know the presence of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, it's one of my favorite chapters, Jake, in the Old Testament. David is moving the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. The temple's not built. Mike, the temple's not even there, but what he has done, he's erected a tent. He's put that up, and it's going to be open-air worship. And Kathy, the only thing that will be there, he's bringing the presence back to Jerusalem. How many of you believe that the presence of God needs to come back fully to America? I believe that. Then if you believe that, you need to be a doorkeeper. Understand. It was David's heart to do that. It's David. You're familiar with it. It's David. I've got to hurry. But as David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back, Yuza, that was there, him and his brother were bringing that. And one of them was driving the cart. One of them was behind or beside the cart that they're bringing the presence of God Dax on and they built a cart to put it on and they built it and, and see that's what we try to do. We we want a presence, we want the presence of God to be carried by big wheels and boards. And it was designed to be carried by men and women of God. So what happened was this, Alvin, you're familiar that it hit a rut. It sounds like it hit a rut, and Yuza put his hand up there, and immediately when he did, he was killed. What had happened with Yuza is this, is that all he seen was an artifact and a relic. Many people today see him only as a relic or an artifact of history. I see him as a holy God. The point is, is this, as they were bringing that back, David stopped it all. And he said, oh, my goodness. He said, and I don't even think David even knew. He was the apple of God's eye. And he didn't even realize when you touched it, he was killed right then. It scared David, for lack of a, a, a better word. It, David just stopped everything. And that's what happens and should happen in our life. Sometimes, I'm going to give you a word here in just a second. Sometimes in our life, things happen, and it's for you to stop what you're doing and to have a reset. That's the point I want to make to you. How many of you would say over the past four to five months that much of your normal life has been interrupted? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, both hands. I see you, Lois. Both hands. I don't know that there's anybody that can't say that in some aspect that their life has not been interrupted. Why? Let me tell you something. God is a God of interruption. An interruption is one thing, but could it be that America has gone so far that an interruption will not work and God is doing an intervention? God will interrupt things to stop things, to to maybe hold this, but can I tell you, when it's an intervention, it's more extensive. And I believe what is happening today in America is that God is intervening in the midst of everything that we want to say is this or that. Could it be that God is trying to get America's attention and to wake the church up? And God is intervening. In the midst of that, David stops it all. They come by the house, I'm paraphrasing, but they come by the the house of a man by the name of Obed-Edom. 
I like saying that word, Obed-Edom. And I don't even know if I pronounced it right, but I'm thinking I have because you probably don't know any difference either. He stops, and at the house of Obed-Edom, he says, we can't take the presence of God. Obed-Edom says, I'll take it. Obed-Edom willfully takes the presence or the ark of God. He puts it in his house, and for three months, he has the presence of God there. Something happens. David's mulling all this over. He said, I don't know what to do. My heart's to bring it back. My heart's to bring the presence of God back to Jerusalem. I know that. It stays in Obed-Edom's house for three months. Something happens. Listen, word comes back to Obed-Edom that listen, or, or, to David that says, hey, listen, I don't know if you know it or not, but listen. And Obed-Edom's getting blessed. His sheep are fatter than anybody else's sheep. His increase is different than it. Well, why is that? What's going on? Is it that? No, it's the presence of God. Can I tell you, here's the thing that you and I have to understand. Obed-Edom feared God, and because he feared God, it brought the favor of God. When you fear God and you know who God is, you can expect for favor to come your way. You don't even fear of God, Brother Dale, not in a, not in a way to where I'm afraid he's going to whoop me, but no, God, I know who you are. I know that when I reach out to touch you and you touch me back, you have the power to kill all the flesh that's in me, but raise me back up in the spirit. Oh, but Edom knew because he had him in his home. The problem today is that we want the presence of God in church. We want to leave Him here. How many of you know that the same God that's here with you today is going to be with you when you leave here today? I don't want to be just blessed in church. I want my home to be blessed. The favor of God. The story is told. They come to Obed-Edom's house. They done away with the cart. They done away with the big wheels and the boards. And the men of God started carrying the presence of God once again on their shoulders. And they carried the presence of God back into Jerusalem. And when they carried the presence of God back into the Jerusalem, back into Jerusalem, it was an open-air tent. Many of you have studied that before. There was not an altar of incense. There wasn't a brass laver. There wasn't, listen, there wasn't a menorah. There wasn't any of that. There was only one thing. There was only one thing, and it was the presence of God. Today, can I tell you, only one thing will change the life of anybody. You can have your religious furniture. You can have everything else. But can I tell you, give me the presence of an almighty God. Because he is what sure people look out the window like they did with David. When you're dancing before the Lord, they don't know who's in you. Oh, but Edom, he stayed at home. He waved goodbye to the ark as they carried it out. No, he didn't. He stayed with it. You'll find in Scripture that Obed Edom, the Word of God said that after they had set that up, all of these guys, the Word said, that they blowed the trumpets before the Lord in 1 Chronicles 15, verses 23 through 25. They blowed those trumpets before the ark of God, and Obed-Edom and Jehiah were doorkeepers for the ark. Can I tell you something? When you are in the presence of an almighty God, you want to stay in the presence of an almighty God. You will leave your house to understand that He is your home. Doorkeepers. last one, kings and priests, and I'm going to get to that. Maybe I'll finish that up Wednesday. You say, Brother Wayne, that's not five. That would make six. The New Testament ties them together, kings and priests. Priestly kings and kingly priests. There's two things that align with that, and maybe we'll talk about that Wednesday. Would you stand to your feet?
those of you that are at home, it's not time to turn it off, and neither for those in here, it's not time to turn it off. It's not been that long ago. In years, maybe it has, but it's not been that long ago that I remember when the preacher got to this point, I started shutting down. I started getting to the place, well, it's over, it's finished. I'm going to be quick. I believe God is recommissioning the midwife. I believe that he's recommissioning the armor bearers. I believe that he's recommissioning each and every one of these things that I had spoke about. Every one of them. The doorkeepers, all of them. I believe he's recommissioning those. And he's doing that in a way that it's not about title. It's about functionality. How many of you will encourage somebody else to push through what they're going through? If that's you, raise your hand. Then you're declaring that you're going to be one of those midwives. You've got people all around you that's going through pain. Tell them to push. Turn to somebody and say, I got your back. How many of you will be an armor bearer and say, I'm loyal? I'm loyal. If you fall down, I'm going to pick you up. We're going to fight together. You're not going to have to fight alone. How many of you, before I mention the third one, how many of you could agree that if America don't get on track, it's going to sink? How many of you will declare, I'm a watchman? I'm not just an alarmist. I'm not here to alarm you. I'm here to see you activated. And it's to activate the people around you. I'm a doorkeeper. This is important to each one of us, Asher. I'm going to encourage you as I close here, as a doorkeeper. I want to encourage you to guard your gates. I want to encourage you to guard what you see, what you say, what you hear, and what you're a part of. Because it's critical right now. What you will see is a continual backsliding. The bride of Christ cannot backslide. It is what it is. But you will see a continuing backsliding of an immoral church and one that will align more with a one-world religion. One of those indicators to me is that when other people say there's all kinds of ways to heaven, there's all Can I tell you something? You'll all come before God. Hello? <laughs> but the question will be, will you be his child? Or will he say, depart from me? I never knew you. Let me pray with you. Heavenly Father, today, please receive this church. God, today, with all humility, let me be that one that when I see those around me struggling, let me be one, God, that says, push. Push. Something in you that's so great. Let me take God, that very spirit, and upon every man and woman, God, in this place. And God, I'm not speaking that just in a gender sense, but God, in a spiritual sense. As brothers and sisters in Christ, let us take on that role. And God, no doubt, sometime this week we will see someone that says, I want to quit.
God, today, raise up the armor bearers in this house. That God are not loyal necessarily to the title, but rather to the call. God, let us have loyalty between each other. God, a loyalty that says, I got your back. And God, a loyalty that says that if we see a brother or sister trying to turn back, that we'll be the first one that they see. And we'll say there's nothing worth going. we got a battle to fight. You're a Christian, not a coward. You're not going to turn around. We're going to fight. And God, today, let us all be watchmen. God, not those that toot our own horn about our own success, but rather those that sound the alarm in this last days and take on the heart of John the Baptist and say, prepare the way, repent. Repent. Turn. And Holy Ghost, would you activate the heart of each and every one in this place? <laughs> and then God, the doorkeeper. God, we speak that to a personal side of us, that God, precious Holy Spirit, help us to guard the gates. Not just our mind, but God, those that we guard the gates of ministry that you called us to. And God, let us be like Obed-Edom. That God, not only do we know your presence, and not only do we know that it's fear that brings the favor, but God, we want you more and more. We want you, God. Today, Lord, within the sound of my voice, and I know this has been very teachy, Lord, I know that, but maybe there's one here today, God, or maybe one watching online. And they don't understand all these things that I've spoke about, but today, God, would you just reveal to them whether they're lost or, God, whether they're saved. If you're here today in this building or you're at home and you're away from God, you've heard the trumpet sound, the, the, the warning sounds all around you and you're concerned. Concern will not be enough. Come to Him. So right now, nobody's looking around inside or out and maybe you're there at home. But how many are here today in this building? And you can say, you know what, Pastor? concerned about where I'm going. I've been living like hell, but I still expect heaven. And you're indicating that that ain't going to work. I don't want to indicate it. I want to tell you it's true. God knows those that are His. And right now, are you His? If you're here tonight and you don't know, or if you're here this morning and you don't know who you're serving, would you just slip your hand up and say, Preacher, would you pray for me? I'm not sure who I'm serving and I'm real concerned about where I'm going when I die. Would you lift your hand? Don't be afraid, please. Don't be afraid. Thank you for that hand. Are there more? God, today, you see the heart here. You see the ones at home. Quicken those hearts. Quicken those hearts to come to you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name. Amen and amen. I'm going to say this. I don't lead anybody. In a salvation prayer, I don't do that. But I will tell you this, if you're lost and you're undone, call out to him and say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of all that I've ever done. I don't have to have some big, huge paragraph to tell you that if you're here in this house. And can I tell you something? Don't be ashamed of the gospel 
of Jesus Christ. If he saves you, don't just tell one. Tell everybody what he's done for you. Can we rejoice in this house and give God some praise? Love you so much, church.